Good morning, everyone. Well, good afternoon, I think it is, isn't it, by now? Good to be with you all. Um, so, just adding on to what Sean said, the beautiful thing is that we can all be in a room together and that we're not on a Zoom call or that we're not on a YouTube live stream is that, that we, can, we can have some connection. So, show me that you're awake. Show me that you're alive. Um, with facial expressions, if you want to say anything, any point, maybe don't ramble for too long, but... Um, Show me you're alive, show me you're awake. The 9 a.m. lot were quite awake this morning. You've had a bit longer of sleep, hopefully, this morning, so give us, give us some energy. Um, but it's, <laughs> it is so good to be here with you all. Um, as Sean said, my name is Joel, um, and a little a bit about myself, for anyone who doesn't know. So I grew up in Spain, um, that's where, where I live most of my life, when I was three up until I was 17. And so for any Spanish speakers in the room, buenas tardes. Um, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, good afternoon. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I grew up in Spain, did all of my education in Spanish, and, and yeah, came to uh, the UK for university, moved to Guildford, went to the University of Surrey, um, and studied international business, so I had a lot of free time. Um, yeah, um, and then moved to Reading to work with the University of Reading Christian Union up on campus, um, and then did a year in consulting, doing whatever consultants do. Um, I'm not too sure about that still myself. Um, and since September, I've been working here um, with the rest of the staff team here at Reading Family Church. Um, and it's my joy as part of that to head up uh, everything to do with students. Students, give us a, give us a woo! Thank you, thank you. Um, and do things as well with young adults. If you're not sure if you're a young adult or not, I know there's been some confusion around this. Who counts as a young adult? Okay, I always say if you're not a middle-aged adult, if you consider yourself younger than a middle-aged adult, that's you. So young adults, young adults in the room. Woo! There you go. Okay, um, so it's so good to be with you all this morning. Um, and so t this morning or this afternoon even, um, we are going to be looking, uh, continuing through our series of looking at God's presence um, and kind of tracing that through. Um, throughout the series, we've really been looking at what is the relationship between God's presence and God's people. So if we could have the slide up, please, that kind of runs through that, um, that would be great. So Andy began the series um, by pointing us to how Adam and Eve lost access to God's presence as they are kicked out of the Garden of Eden because their sin meant they couldn't be in God's presence. And so throughout this series, the big question that we've been looking at, and, and one of the big questions I believe the Bible points us to, is how are we going to get back into God's presence? How are God's people going to get back into God's presence? What is it going to take for that to happen? And then we continued the series afterwards, looking at the tent of meeting, or tabernacle, um, and it's, I guess, non-mobile equivalent, the temple, and we saw how that provided a way for God's people to come into God's presence after Eden. But to get to the part where God dwelled, the innermost part of the tabernacle, called the most holy place, which is, it was separated off by a veil or, or a curtain. To get in there, priests were required to make animal sacrifices to sprinkle some blood, to do all sorts of different ritual washings. 
And then after they'd done all of that, it was only one person, the high priest, who could enter God's presence. And that was only once a year on the Day of Atonement. And so then we continue, as we continue through the series, we saw Scott point us towards the embodiment of God's presence. That's Jesus. God himself dwelling among humans. We saw that people traveled for miles and they broke through roofs. They climbed trees. They piled into houses. And they went against laws just to be in God's presence. Just to be able to touch the corner of Jesus' cloak. And last week we saw how Jesus' followers waited patiently in Jerusalem for the gift that Jesus had promised. God's presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to look at what does the Bible say about us as the church, as God's people? How do we enter God's presence? And so um, we're going to now turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, if you have a Bible with you, love for you to grab it, open it up. Um, we're going to be bouncing back and forth through that. So have it open. Um, it's also going to be up on the screen, um, starting at verse 19. So that's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through to 22. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So, what does it say? Let's start from the top, from verse 19. It says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, for most of us in the room, that might not sound too surprising, but... The people who would have originally been reading to this, these Christians from a, from a Jewish background would have been very familiar with Jewish tradition. They would have been incredibly struck by that sentence. So as David shared with us a few weeks ago, when we looked at this, the, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the most holy place was off limits to all but one person, the high priest. And they could only, as we said, enter once a year on that day of atonement. And when the, when the high priest entered, he didn't exactly enter with confidence or boldness. God's presence was so holy that the only way he could enter was through uh, all sorts of sacrifices and all these other rituals. If not, they would die. Imagine if they'd gone one of those wrong. They would have been quite fearful, right? So the people who had originally been listening to this would have been like, how can it be? How can it be? I'm not the high priest. I'm not even a priest. And I haven't performed all of the sacrifices, all the blood sprinkling, all of the ritual washing. How is it possible? And How can I enter with confidence? 
fun story from when I uh, first arrived at university a, a few years ago now. Um, as I, I turned up um, looking for, I was trying to find a church. And I saw this circle of people standing there and I was like, oh, this is the place where I think they're going to meet. There's a bunch of people standing in a circle. They must be Christians, right? That's what Christians do the whole time. Um, and so I walked up, joined this, sheepishly joined this circle. Um, and then I realized that they were all veterinary students who were going to walk to, to the vet park. Um, so I was, very, I was very confused. I had to walk away and find someone else. But I, I had no clue where I was going. I was very confused and surrounded by people I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and so I didn't have any confidence walking into this place, walking into this group of people. Eventually, I found the people, the Christians. It was all good. Um, made my way to church on that first Sunday whilst at uni. But we see in this, in this place of what on earth, how can I come into God's presence? How can I enter the most holy place? What do we see? In verse 19, it says, by the blood of Jesus. It is not through the blood of a goat or a calf that they are able to enter God's presence, but it's by the blood of Jesus. It's not by the blood of any animal that they have sacrificed, but the sacrifice that Jesus has made himself. It is through the blood of Jesus that the sin of all humanity is dealt with as he sacrifices himself once and for all on the cross. Jesus paid the cost which you and I owed by leaving the Father and coming down to earth to be born in a manger, to grow up as a refugee, to go on to be betrayed, mocked, spat at, nailed to a cross and executed as he carried the weight of the sin of the world. And so as a result, no more animal sacrifices are needed because Jesus' blood is sufficient to cover all sin for all people, for all time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, Cool. (laughs) What else do we see as we move on to verse 20? We see that this is a new way. We enter God's presence not through the old way of doing things, not through the old covenant, the old agreement that God had with his people where they did all these animal sacrifices, but it's through the new way, the new covenant, the new agreement which has been revealed to us in Jesus. And it's a living way because Jesus, the sacrifice that was made to forgive our sin, is no longer dead. He is alive. What else does verse 20 tell us? Well, it tells us that we didn't have to open the way. That the way was opened for us. We cannot open the way. No matter how good we are, how many good things we do, how good at rule keeping we are, or how many sacrifices we make, we could never open the way. And that's okay. Because Jesus has opened the way. Jesus has opened the way through his sacrifice on the cross. So as Jesus dies on that cross to deal with the sin and the shame of all humanity, that curtain that separated God's people from God's presence has been torn in two from top to bottom and we can now enter God's presence. 
Isn't that amazing? And it is through Jesus' blood, through Jesus' sacrifice, through Jesus' role as the great high priest that we can enter God's presence, knowing that we have been set free from guilt and from shame and have been washed clean. All of us in this room who have chosen to follow Jesus now get to enjoy the benefits of our sin being exchanged with Jesus' righteousness. God looks at us and does not see our sin and our shame, but sees Jesus' innocence and honor. (laughs) This is all possible because Jesus has done it all. He has paid the price we are able to freely and confidently enter his presence as his children because what Jesus has done, because of the cost that he paid. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And as God's children, we've also been welcomed into God's household, the church. Jesus has gone before us as the great high priest. He has cleared the way for us to be able to come into God's presence. For us to be able to enter and dwell in the most holy place, which is no longer a space in a tent or a building. But it's a heavenly sanctuary. God's heavenly sanctuary where we get to enjoy a foretaste here on earth as we gather together as a church, as we look forward to that day when we will be with him forever. And as Christians gather across Reading and across the country and across the world today, God's presence is among his people. As we've become, as we were saying earlier, the new temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. God dwells among his people. God dwells among us as the church. So, Jesus has done all of this. It is all possible. We can enter God's presence because of what Jesus has done. What's our part to play? What's our role in all of this? What does it say in verse 22? It says, draw near to God." Let us draw near to God. Let us enter his presence. Because of our status before God, due to what Jesus has done on the cross, we can draw near to God. Or as one translation puts it, we can go right into the presence of God. And how do we do this? What's it say in verse 22? It says, with a sincere heart. Meet God as you are. You don't have to come with religious words and phrases. You don't have to have your life together. There's no need to hoover up all of the mess and do all the washing up and put it all away before coming before God. (laughs) I'm so glad about that. (laughs) God knows you and is not surprised by your mess, any of it. Draw near to God as you are, not as you think you should, as you are. 
Yes, God is almighty, all-powerful. There's no one like him as we've been singing. He is holy, holy, holy. He's greater than we could ever understand. And it is right to come before him with a sense of, of a healthy honor and respect. But we don't need to pretend to be someone we're not. And a beautiful example of this, we see, we see throughout the Psalms, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, and we see there are all sorts of different people coming to God in all sorts of different places. Some are, are rejoicing and some are mourning. Some are fearful and some are celebrating. Some people are distressed. And in each and every one of those situations, they come before God, come to his presence with everything that's going on in their life. They come before him. So let's all draw near to God, wherever we're at. What else do we see? We see we should draw near to God confidently. It's not a, a maybe or a tentatively, but we can draw near to God with confidence. It's not like when you're at the dentist, for example, and you're sitting there waiting for someone to call your name, and then someone does, and you're like, oh, I think it's me, I'm a bit awkward, I don't really know where I'm going, I'm a bit confused, and I'm not sure if I really want to go in there. That's not our situation, church. That's not, we can enter with confidence. If that confidence is in ourselves, there's not a lot to be confident about, to be honest. <laughs> But our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is in Jesus. In Jesus, we can be confident. He is the reason. He is the one who has done it all. He is the one who doesn't change. Let's be confident in him. And I don't know, maybe some people across this room are feeling weighed down in sin, in shame, in fear. Maybe it's something from your past, some area of sin that you're, you're wrestling with, you're struggling with. Or maybe it's shame from something that someone has done to you. And maybe you're thinking, there is no way that God could welcome me into his presence like this. <laughs> there is no way that with all of this stuff that's happened in my life, I would be able to draw near to him. Let me just say that is not true. That is not true. Your access into God's presence is not dependent on your performance. It's not dependent on how good you are. And it's not dependent on what you have or haven't done. It's the same for you, it's the same for me. We can all come into God's presence. We all have that access into God's presence. Because it's a fully undeserved gift of God's grace given through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We can enter God's presence. And this is, feels particularly true for you at the moment. You, just know, you can draw near to God as you are. You don't have to deal with your sin or your shame before you come into his presence. Jesus has already dealt with it. He's already dealt with it so our sin and our shame can't hold us back from being God's presence but there is something that can and that is 
passivity, being passive. What do we see in verse 22? It says, draw near to God. That's what we're called to do. That's our part to play. God is not distant. He is the one who who, who came down to dwell among us. He's the one who came down to dwell among us in the person of Jesus. He has drawn near to us. So we need to draw near to him. We need to choose to enter his presence. God is is always here with us. He's always present with us. He's omnipresent. He's always here. And he promises to never leave us or to forsake us. However, there is something special about having God's manifest presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. It's something tangible that we can feel. It's the difference between intellectually knowing God, knowing he that he's with us, and tangibly feeling God's presence, tangibly knowing God is with us. And if we want to tangibly know God's presence, we need to draw near to him. We need to come to him in prayer. We need to come to him in worship. We need to seek his face. It's like drawing near to anyone else in your life. We need to spend time with someone if we want to get to know them, if we want to draw near to them. And There's many of you in this room that I know decently well. There's some of you that I maybe recognize your face and we've been in the same space. I've seen you, might recognize your face briefly. But we don't know each other. Maybe you didn't know, for example, know that I, I grew up in Spain. Maybe that's something you didn't know about me. If you, even if you're in the same space as someone, if you want to get to know them, you've got to spend time with them. So, the entirety of this story that we've been going through as we trace through this series, we've looked at how can we get back into God's presence. Jesus was willing to give his life so that you and I can be in God's presence. and We can be there with confidence. And so my question for us this morning is are we actively drawing near to God in our day to day? Are we choosing to enter God's presence? Not just on a Sunday, but throughout the entirety of our week. Or are we choosing to draw near to something else instead? Whose presence are we longing to spend time in? Are we drawing near to our sofa? our favourite TV programme, which I know for me at the moment is The Traitors. Are we drawing near our house extension? Who are we longing to spend time with? Are we longing to spend time with a, a friend or your spouse or your children, your grandchildren, more than we're longing to spend time with God's? It's a challenge for us all. Church, we need to examine our hearts. 
we are in danger of neglecting that which Jesus sacrificed his life for. We have this immense privilege of being able to confidently and freely enter the presence of God. And we so often take it for granted. We have been freely given this great joy of being in God's presence, which we've seen that God's people before us fought so hard to get into, whether that's through sacrifices or through traveling miles, all this stuff, they fought so hard for it, and we're taking it for granted. And we're choosing to settle for much less. We're choosing to look to other places. Imagine, for example, if you got an email um, in your inbox or a message on Instagram or something from uh, your favorite musical artist, say for example, Taylor Swift, any Taylor Swift fans in the room? No, got, got a few, got a few. Um, and you got an invite to their tour, but not just a, a regular ticket, you get like the VIP package with everything included. You get all of the merch, you get your, like the best seat in the house, you get a, a backstage pass, you get like a meet and greet, you get to meet them, you get to spend time with them. Um, you get all of these things and it's free. You get that ticket, it lands in your inbox. That's incredible, right? Maybe you're not a Taylor Swift fan. Picture a different artist instead. <laughs> but what if I then turned around and said, oh, yeah, that's cool. This thing that's, that's worth thousands of pounds and whatever else, it's, it's cool, but actually I'm just going to scroll through some, some clips that people have taken on YouTube instead of the tour. Like, yeah, yeah, it's... it's it, how, if you love that artist, you're gonna, you're gonna, you will want to be there. That's like the best gift in the world. And instead, you're choosing to just look through what other people are saying about that person. So this is a challenge for all of us. What are we going to do about it? We can enter God's presence as an individual, but there is something special about how God's presence meets his people as we're gathered together in his name. God dwells among his people. We are his temple. So we can expect to enter his presence as we meet on a Sunday together. Also, we can expect to meet him on a Sunday evening at a prayer meeting or a Thursday morning at a prayer meeting or in your life group or not just amongst ourselves, but also when we go to the Catalyst Festival together in August or when those of us who are young adults are going to Project 24 in a couple of weeks' time up in Milton Keynes. We can expect to meet with God's presence. But this week, as a church, we have an opportunity to intentionally seek God's presence again as we head into a week of prayer and fasting that blessings told us about. We're going to spend an entire week seeking God's face, drawing near to him and entering his presence. So I want to say, join us, please join us. Is there something that we are maybe drawing near to more than we're drawing near to God. Have a think in your own life what that could be. And have a think, maybe you could fast from that this week. 
what would it look like for you to fast from that this week? We often talk about fasting as something we do with food. It could be from anything. What is it that I'm seeking more than I'm seeking God that I can not seek this week and focus on Jesus? And maybe when you saw the video from Blessing, all this now, you kind of said, yeah, great, sounds good, Joel, but you know what? I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm exhausted, there's so much going on in life. And yeah, I going to another meeting? I really, no, no thank you. Let me just say that Jesus is the only one who promises rest. If you're tired, if you're weary, like me, <laughs> like me, Jesus is the only one that promises rest. Your sofa doesn't promise rest. That football match that you want to watch doesn't promise rest. Jesus is the one who says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And if you're feeling down, low, that's the same again. We're promised joy when we come into the presence of God. So if that's where you are this week, saying, do you know what? I'm tired. Come to God. If you're feeling down this week, come to God. Come into his presence. Draw near to him. And as we look forward to the day when we will experience the fullness of God's presence in the new heavens and the new earth, in light of what Jesus has done on the cross for us, let's be intentional in drawing near to God. Let's be intentional. Jesus has paid that price for us to enter God's presence. And we can enter it freely and we can enter it confidently. But church, may we not take for granted the incredible privilege of having having access to God's presence May we not take it for granted. We pray for us. Father God, thank you that through Jesus we can come into your presence. Thank you that we can dwell with you. Thank you that you dwell within us as a church. Lord, we want to be a people who seek you first, who seek your face. God, thank you that we can come before you without fear because we know what Jesus has done. Help each of us to know you are with us. Help each of us to know that there is nothing stopping us from drawing near to you, from coming into your presence. And may we think about what it looks like in our day-to-day lives to seek you above all things, to draw near to you, to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.